This is an All Ears English podcast, episode 1471, How You Can Help Create Language Justice with Jamila Ball. Welcome to the All Ears English podcast, downloaded more than 150 million times. Are you feeling stuck with your English? We'll show you how to become fearless and fluent by focusing on connection, not perfection. With your American host, Aubrey Carter, the IELTS whiz, and Lindsay McMahon, the English adventurer, coming to you from Arizona and Colorado, USA. And to get your transcripts delivered by email every week, go to allearsenglish.com forward slash subscribe. What is language justice and what is being done to break down barriers and create multilingual communities? Today, Jamila Ball with Jami Linguists joins us to share three tips for how you can get involved with the language justice movement. This podcast is sponsored by Indeed. As a business owner myself, I've learned that the most important key to success is having a great team, but it can be time consuming reading through tons of resumes. Need to hire a great candidate at your company? Why not eliminate the busy work? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so that you can connect with candidates faster. Just in the minute that I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. So join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash A-E-E. Just go to Indeed.com slash A-E-E right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. I-N-D-E-E-D dot com slash A-E-E. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Jamila. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you here. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Jamila Ball. I am the founder and executive director of an organization called Jami Linguists, and we are a multilingual communications department for mission-driven organizations. I know that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, that is a mouthful, right? So we're going to get into what exactly that means, what exactly you do. But to let our listeners know where we met, we've been doing um, a series on our podcast about some of the speakers that I was able to hear at the Women in Language Conference. And Jamila was one of these speakers. And so excited to have you here to share your message because it was an extremely powerful message. You were talking about how movements like Black Lives Matter, but any movement is just as intersectional as the people involved and the messages should be available in more languages so that people, yes, right. All the (laughs) languages. So people can be involved and understand why this is a problem. Even if they don't speak English or Spanish for the, the main languages that things are sometimes translated into. Right. 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 But there is more to it than that. So, so let's first talk about, can you give us an overall view of what is language justice? Language justice, yes. So I talk um, a lot, and I know in the Women of Language Conference, you talk about, I talked about language justice. I talk about language justice often in my work as a foundation 
but we actually talk even more around multilingual community building, but you can't get to building multilingual community without understanding language justice. So it is a foundational element. So language justice really similar for folks who are in the language field or language learners or anything, you know, if you ask someone what fluent means, you'll get 10 different definitions. Language justice can be very similar. Um, practitioners of language justice have a variety of different definitions, but one, some of the core components that I think are pretty universal are the ability to create multilingual spaces where there is no dominant language. And in particular, it's where the people who are participating in the space are able to participate in the language that makes them feel joy, makes them feel power. They self-select what language they want to use in order to participate in the space. So obviously in order to do that, if you have a room full of multilingual people, you can't have you know, everything written in one language or only speakers who only speak one language. So creating a multilingual space takes out the dominance of one language. There's also an understanding that language connects to culture, it connects to, there's a political and social construct related to language. For some, that may be a point of trauma. And for others, that may be a point of, of privilege um, in a variety of different circumstances. And language is also an emotional connector, which may inspire a variety of different languages. So language justice acknowledges that people come to language and experience language with different sociopolitical um, you know, back, background, right? And right. so there is a social justice component to it, which is why you hear the language justice and it centers um, a lot of the common things that you hear in social justice in the context of communication and language. It moves beyond just access. It's right. not just about giving information. It's really more about creating a space where all can, be, can, can participate. So can and you tell us like, what is being done now? What has been being done to create these multilingual spaces to create access for more people? I mean, they're, they're, depending on where you are, but I think around the world, there's a lot of language access laws, right? So there's a lot of things where if you're at a hospital, if you're in a school, if you're in a circumstance um, in the U.S. context, for example, with criminal law and legal circumstances where interpreters and things like and translations are required. Um, and it's become a part of the law that you can't just, you know, bring someone to a court hearing without an interpreter. That's something that's been long established. Language access is moving beyond understanding that there's so many other areas of life and circumstances beyond those really truly emergency circumstances where translation and interpreting is needed. Um, and so it, there's a lot of moves for, you know, in school with bilingual education. Um, the, uh, an educational area with IEPs, which are um, individualized uh, education plans for, mm -hmm. for students who, who may have special needs. Mm -hmm. And those meetings, when your parents are talking about what's happening with the IEP, is that IEP translated into their native language? Is the meeting going on in their language? But also what I know you heard me talk about was in the movement space, which I'm very excited about. I'm seeing more ASL interpreters out at protests and uprisings and rallies that are standing right next to folks with bullhorns doing ASL interpreting so that people who are involved in resistance movements can be fully involved regardless of what language they speak. More captions on social media posts and videos. 
and and those kinds of things. And, and so I'm just seeing a lot more integration into the movement space where it typically, in many circumstances, has, hasn't been present. Gotcha. What was the catalyst for you to start Jami Linguistics? And like, what was the process for that? Yeah, well, I found I founded Jami Linguists actually back in late 2015, I want to say. And I, the catalyst for me is I had been doing movement work and I had been doing the work for quite some time. And I, I was an interpreter. I was an attorney. I was a teacher. I, I, I did issue-based advocacy campaigns for a variety of different nonprofits and the LGBTQ plus rights movement, immigrant rights, racial justice, labor law. Everything I did, I was more valuable because I was able to communicate in more than one language. It wasn't that there, there wasn't someone who was knowledgeable about labor law who could engage in the campaign. They needed someone who was culturally competent and linguistically skilled as well in order to be able to share information and organize people, you know, because I spent a lot of time as an organizer and organizing is about people. <laughs> so right. I found that the more people you want to talk to, the more languages you needed. And since I'm a busybody, <laughs> and as I'm sure y'all see now, I talk too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm a busybody. I realized I'm like, you know what? I can't do all the things that I can't be all the places, but I can help, you know, a lot of people in all the places who are doing all the things communicate. Gotcha. And you had a network of people who wanted to get involved. So it was sort of an organization to, to get people Correct. involved and give them a role. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So can you, um, we, I know you're going to provide three tips for our listeners. I think this is going to be huge. Um, so share the first one with us. How can listeners get involved with multilingual community building? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, if you are, the first thing I would say, if you are a monolingual list, listener and you are interested in get, I would say nor, the, the concept of, well, actually for both, normalized language learning. That's number one. So normalized language learning. We're not all walking around with interpreters and translators, you know, in our pockets. I know we would like to think that technology can fix all of that, but there can only do so much. For, it can only do so much. And there is a need for human to human interaction. So when I say normalized language learning, if you are a multilingual or bilingual individual engaging with folks who are trying to learn and, and are trying to le learn your language and connecting with folks and sharing your skills with other is helpful, right? Mm -hmm. And show that you're not perfect. A lot of times people think that because they, you know, mm -hmm. they see someone speaking a language and they assume that they have some special gene and that they just are smarter than them somehow because people don't like to make mistakes mm -hmm. in public. I think normalizing language learners for people who already speak languages being, being okay making mistakes in public and telling people, hey, this was a journey for me too. I don't have a special gene. You can do it too. And for the folks who are monolingual speakers, mm -hmm. realizing that there's a lot of different ways to learn a language. You don't have to 
learn a language and, you know, to lead a press conference. It could just be to say hello, you're welcome, thank you. Just to make those connections. That way. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just the ability to have that brief connection with someone in their native language can really make a difference. Yeah, so normalizing language learning is my first one. In multiple languages. Because we may languages. each have one or two, but the more yeah. languages you can just greet someone and have that initial connection with, the yes. better you're going to be able to create those multilingual communities. Spaces. Exactly. I love that. Okay, what is your second tip for us? So my second tip is put your money where your values are. Um, so if you believe that, that if, for example, and I'll make it very simple. I know a lot of circumstances where people say, we really want to have an event and we want Spanish speakers to come and we want, you know, French speakers and Haitian Creole speakers. We want all the people to come in all the languages, but they don't budget for interpreting mm. or translation. They don't do outreach. It, it, People's time takes money and oftentimes really, you know, outreach for events, it takes time. So people oftentimes don't spend enough time or money planning in advance to communicate with people in more than one language. So I would say, and I guess I would add to that, like put your money and your time where your values are. To plan around that so that you have, yes, everything (laughs) available that you need to make it possible in the first place. Yes, yes. Okay, what's the third tip? The third tip I would give when it comes to is remember that it's about people, right? When it comes to building, it's about authentic connections. We have a tendency to get very transactional when we're doing different work, either whether it's in a professional or social environment, but even in movement spaces, you want someone to sign this petition. You want someone to attend this. You want someone to donate. We have a tendency to have these very transactional interactions with people, but when you are trying to build community, particularly in more than one language, you have to care about people. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's true in so many realms, but especially with this, like to care about this issue in the first place, mm-hmm. that's the foundation of it, right? If you care about mm-hmm. people having equal access to the mm-hmm. same things that you might have the privilege to access, then mm-hmm. you get passionate about that. Like, what can I do? What can I do to make a difference? What mm-hmm. can I do to help? And on that note, I know you had mentioned that our students that we have that may be bilingual, maybe speak English as well as their native language, that mm-hmm. there are things that they can do for either translation or helping um, translate the information that is sent out for some of these movements, how can they find out more about that? Oh, I would, I would, yes. So one, if they're interested in supporting, we currently have a campaign called Translate the Movement, hashtag Translate the Movement, and we are looking for volunteers and support and folks who are interested in sharing, and there's a lot of social media posts, there are a lot of information. I'm sure whatever is on your Facebook feed, if you are a speaker of one language, is not, and I don't mean monolingual, just whatever language you speak, whatever language is in your Facebook feed, is on your social media there is someone else who's on a different platform who is not seeing what you're seeing because it's not translated in a different space because it's not translated Mm -hmm. and it's in a different space. So in order to be able to bridge that gap, one of the things when you see, you know, information, particularly things that are um, urgent things of need to the community right now around healthcare, access, education, um, know your rights, legal rights, things that you take for granted that other people may know, Um, share that information, share that information in more than one language. And also, if you want to volunteer, if you want to participate, you can 
connect with us at JAMI. Um, we have a, a database of, of linguists that we're always looking to grow. And so I would just I would just say there's a lot, and there's also translates without board trailers without borders. There's a lot of different organizations you can hop hop on the internet very easily and find organizations that are looking for support with translation and interpreting in your local community, visit your school, visit a medical service provider, a hospital. Those are always areas that are in need of language support. They do want professionals often, you know, and they want someone who's skilled because with those very sensitive, important subject matters, we're not just looking for folks who are you know, can navigate the language. You need someone who has the skill of interpreting and translating. But there are spaces where folks who, you know, who are not professional interpreters and translators can still lend their skills to help. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Those are such great ideas. I hadn't thought about like if something is really meaningful to me and I see it on Facebook, I could translate that into French, Spanish, repost it for, you know, anyone to share with those who may not understand it in English. That's a fantastic idea. I love that. So let us know what are, um, you know, your website, any information links where our listeners can find you. Yes. So we, on all social media channels, we are Jami Linguists, which is J-A-M-I-I underscore linguists with an S. We get linguistics and, and a lot, a lot of people say, but it's linguists with an S. We're on Instagram, Facebook. And if you want to connect with us via our website, we're www.jamiji.co. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast and share your message. It's such a powerful message and I'm really happy that you're willing to share it with our listeners. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a community. Yes. Thanks, Jamila. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to All Ears English. If you are taking IELTS this year, get your estimated band score with our two-minute quiz. Go to allearsenglish.com slash my score. And if you believe in connection, not perfection, then hit subscribe now to make sure you don't miss anything. See you next time. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.